This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. All righty. So we are here with Miss Kayla Holtz and I know Kayla in a variety of ways. She's my brother-in-law's sister, super, super sweetheart. So I have seen your whole birthing experience kind of, you know, from hearing updates from your brother, my sister, but then also from you touching in on it a little bit. And I think it's such a unique story and both births that you had and just the difference between the two. And I think also you're such a high level of, person with fitness with your CrossFit stuff and all that kind of thing. I think it's super important for other people that might be training in the same way you were training to kind of look at how they might want to prepare for birth in a different kind of way, but not give up what they love. Absolutely. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about your, thanks for for having me today. (laughs) Of course. Um, so yeah, uh, my name is Kayla. Um, I, I now have two kids. I've um, two little boys. I have a three-year-old named Ty, um, and then a just over one-year-old named Hamilton. Um, and yeah, I guess kind of like diving right in. So uh, yeah, I'm one of my like biggest passions in life, aside from like my family, is like exercise and fitness. Um, it's one just something that I use to, like maintain my own sanity uh, and I, I feel good doing it and I just really enjoy kind of being out in nature and uh, just the challenge of like competition and fitness and whatnot so uh, when I was pregnant with Ty um, I had literally like the most beautiful pregnancy I like could have imagined um, I had no issues whatsoever um, and everything like was progressing really well one I just felt gigantic which I feel like every woman feels gigantic so um yeah they were always like you know it's it's not an issue like that's that's normal um but I've been tracking my cycles uh you know in hindsight like a lot of things are like uh you know 2020 like looking back on things but I feel like I just should have used like a little bit more of like that mom intuition like even before I like had a like baby in this world but um, I'd been tracking my cycles. So like I knew when my like ovulation window was and when I went in for my first ultrasound at, um, for the, in the army, it was like 13 weeks was my first ultrasound. And, uh, they, um, they told me that I was actually only measuring, um, so like three weeks different. Um, and so they actually like bumped my date back, uh, you know, and as we progressed, like everything seemed to be like relatively like, you know, within like a week or so of their date. Um, but once we, uh, again, beautiful pregnancy, once we got to the end of my like pregnancy, um, the like due date, you know, was my induction was scheduled for um, March 2nd um, because I, I very much had a birth plan. Like I wanted to, my like dream was to like go, you know, completely natural, um, and in my head, you know, 
you hear him crying. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, can you close Bella's bedroom door, please? Can you close Bella's bedroom door? Um, so yeah, in, in my head, I was like, man, I'm, I'm tough. Like I'm going to do a natural birth. Uh, and, and that's one thing that like, as you know, we went into our second pregnancy, I was like, you know, it's, it's not a badge of honor that I need to wear that, um, you know, that I had a, you know, a natural like vaginal delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like, I don't know, I was like kind of words of wisdom, to like other moms and the pregnant you know, to be mamas is, uh, you know, that if that's your goal, you know, to have a natural delivery, that's great, but, you know, don't be married to it so much that like, you know, mm-hmm. you can put yourself into like a bad position later, you know, be, be flexible. But, uh, so anyway, uh, like I wanted a natural delivery and uh, I had all these things planned out. We had a doula for, for both of the boys. Um, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, like that was a saving grace for me, you know, like when we went into labor, um, uh, I ended up going into labor naturally. I was watching the women's U S hockey team win the Olympic gold medal. It was actually like that, like literally like midnight, um, watching them go into labor. So, um, but yeah, went into labor naturally. Um, and so I would have been just shy of like 41 weeks based on their timeline. And again, mm-hmm. hindsight, like I would have been, you know, 43 weeks based on my like menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And I go into the hospital after I labored at home for probably four or five hours before we went in. Um, and we got in there and, you know, when they like did a cervical check, they're like, you're, you know, two centimeters, two centimeters dilated. I was like, wow, I've been laboring, you know, six hours already, but okay. So we literally went into the chapel, um, on the like labor and delivery floor, um, at the hospital, the army hospital, in North Carolina mm-hmm. and labored for another eight hours. Oh. Um, you know, again, unmedicated, uh, and it's so funny looking back, I'm like, God, you are so strong to like, labor that long already. But, uh, and I know women do it way longer, but, um, mm-hmm. so another eight hours went back in and had a check and she was like, you're two centimeters and 60% of face. And I was like, I didn't make any progress. Like, and it was at the moment, like everything in me broke. Um, I'm not even, like, I don't know that I've ever felt that broken. Like I just labored for hours and made zero progress. Um, and I was literally sobbing so hard. I think the doctor literally just felt pity on me. And she was like, like, are you having like fluid leak? And I was like, yeah. Like when I'm you know, when I'm having like my like contractions, like, like I feel like I am. So she actually did like the ferning test and she was like, you know, it came back positive. Like I had an amniotic leak and I was like, I don't know if she like made that up just like to have mercy on me so that I could actually be admitted. Cause they wouldn't admit me until I was at least four centimeters. Yeah. And, uh, well, unless you had an amniotic leak. So anyway, we ended up getting admitted and, um, we labored in our room for, um, we got up to 24 hours, um, unmedicated and and one of the midwives came in uh and she just saw how like tired I was <laughs> you did okay go play go play <laughs> um so yeah 20 24 hours unmedicated um and, and the midwife came in she was like killing you know you're not even 10 centimeters yet like if you don't get some sleep and some rest like She's like, you're, you're not going to make it through this like delivery. Like you're going to be too tired to push when the time comes. Um, and, and again, like my heart was like, so set on like doing this like unmedicated delivery. And, 
Mm-hmm. I just remember Peyton looking at me and he was like, Kayla, like you've already labored for 24 hours. Like that's mm-hmm. like a feat in itself. And so that's when I kind of finally like, you know, I was like, you know, you're right. Like I need to stop like holding so tightly onto this, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, like needless, uh, you know, like dream or whatever of mine, like wish of mine. Um, and, uh, so I ended up getting like the epidural, um, and over the next like, couple hours, I did get a couple hours of sleep, which is really nice. Um, we ended up laboring clear to, he was born right at like 42, 42 and a half hours. So, um, I just had a really hard time like dilating. Um, you know, like, I don't know if you ever had the peanut ball used with you. Like, I think that thing is like <laughs> the bane of my existence. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, but we used that for hours until I got fully dilated, dilated. Um, and then uh, again, hindsight is like, I, I feel like I should have known like something just like wasn't right. You know, I, I, with all the maneuvers and stuff that we were trying, like I wasn't dilating. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I finally hit 10 centimeters, literally like 42 hours, they, uh, you know, were letting me start pushing. And uh, the, there was a resident um, that was in there with me initially. Uh, and as I started pushing and the doctor came in and he was like, you know, like there's just something off. Like, I don't even know if it was just gut intuition for him. Cause like he, he wasn't even going to be in the room when I like delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and thankfully, like, I genuinely consider it just like by the grace of God that he was there anyway, and he's like looking over her shoulder as, as I'm pushing him. And he was like, you know, this isn't right. Like Kayla, we're going to attach a, a, a vacuum, um, to try to get like, to help pull the baby down. Cause every time you, you make a move, like you can see the head going back up. Um, and now knowing it was a boy, both of our deliveries were, um, were surprises. So mm-hmm. it's just like baby, you know, like he or she, um, mm-hmm. So they attached the first vacuum um, and he was like, all right, uh, you know, baby can't be in the birth canal, like, too, you know, too long. They're not getting like oxygen supply because the like, cord is you know, compressed at that point. So um, like if, if at any point we like the vacuum either pops off or, you know, baby is not progressing with these pushes, we're going to go immediately to a C-section. And like all of a sudden, like literally as he says that, like, you know, 15 people flow into the room. Uh, you know, even being in the medical field, like for a new mom, um, you know, it's, it's really scary. Um, and I could just see him literally looking over my right shoulder. And I like, just remember like looking up and seeing, um, I don't even know where it came from. This anesthesiologist is standing there and he has like a syringe like tied into my IV line. And he literally has his hand, like boys, like ready to just like, like put me out at any like second. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was like the, the first moment where I realized like how, like dire of a situation we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, uh, like he, you know, tries to check baby and like see what position he's in. And, um, before I start pushing and come to find out he baby was, um, sunny side up. So instead of facing my spine, he was you know facing my belly. And, um, uh, and as he's like pulling with the, um, with the suction, you know, he gets him facing like sideways. So he was actually facing my like right side. Um, but I'm like pushing, pushing, pushing and, and the vacuum literally, um, and I just, like, I felt like I was in a fishbowl, like in, um, so, uh, so I'm in this like 
I feel like I'm just like in this fishbowl and like, you know, I can see everybody else, but I like can't really hear what's going on. And mm-hmm. um, this, this vacuum pops off and I, like, that's, that's the only sound I could hear. And, um, you know, not to be like, too, like, like, you know, blood splatters everywhere. And, mm-hmm. um, and all of a sudden, like, then, then things got like really real. And he was like, Hey, you, you moved the baby. So like, we're going to do another vacuum. Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, okay. Like, like terrified, but at the same time, like I can't do anything other than push as hard as I can. And mm-hmm. so they attached this other vacuum and, um, and he was like, all right, give me another big put, you know, and I was doing like literally the whole way through all my contractions. I was doing three sets of, you know, 10 second pushes and mm-hmm. which was a lifetime. Like it felt forever. Um, and I, I, as I'm pushing the second vacuum pops off and at this point, like I'm getting really scared because like I know that the baby is stuck. Um, I just don't know why or why he's not, you know, why it wasn't coming out. Um, mm. And finally, like, again, I don't know why he tried another one. We did a third vacuum and a third vacuum popped off after the, um, you know, the first set of pushes. And uh, at this point, like, I'm just super grateful that I had <laughs> um, an epidural. Uh, mm. I could still feel it, but he ended up like quite literally like reaching up and manually dislodging tie. Um, and, you know, so they, they pulled tie out and, uh, um, and he didn't cry. And I just remember like they, they, they took him away and I, I didn't even know like what, if he was a boy or a girl. Um, and as they're like carrying him over to the, um, like the NICU, um, the bit like the warmer or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody said like, Hey, it's a boy. And I just remember I started crying and, um, you know, and at that point, like I had a lot of like, they had to do a lot of like work on me just to like kind of like sew me back up. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think it was only about a minute until I heard him cry, but like in, in birthing time, like it, again, it just feels like hours. Um, it was a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. and that, so he finally starts crying and they, they, they bring him over and, um, you know, and he's at that point, you know, this is probably 30 or 45 minutes later, they finally bring him over and put him on my chest and, um, and, you know, and he nursed well and everything, but the, the pediatrician comes over and says like, Hey, you know, he came out sideways. So, um, his right shoulder ended up getting stuck on my pubic bone, um, which is why he like, couldn't come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they like pulled his neck, they stretched, there's a, you know, plexus of nerves that go from the, the cervical spine into the arm that like, um, and that supplies all of the movement and nerve and everything, um, uh, and nerve feeling sensation that you get to your arm. And, uh, they said that, um, because of how it stretched those nerves in his neck, um, that he actually wasn't moving his right arm at all. Um, and, you know, so we un- unwrap him a little bit and we start, you know, just like looking and, and kind of trusting the doctors, like they're like, okay, you know, they were like, Hey, 24 hour, 24 to 72 hours. And, he just gained movement back. It's probably just stunned. Um, uh, and at this point we were, you know, we didn't really know what to think. Like, so I went through school to be a physician assistant and, and looking, I literally went back at one point and looked through my notes and my like pediatric like lectures. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. There was one slide on brachial plexus injuries. Um, and, you know, to this day, I'm like, man, like of, of all the things that could, could have happened, uh, you know, like this did, uh, and being in, in a medical professional, like I didn't even know what that was. Like I literally had to go back and we had to do all this research because I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, 
you know, 24 hours later, you know, in the hospital and he's still not moving anything. He was moving a couple of his fingers, like literally just little movements, but he wasn't moving like his wrist, his elbow or his shoulder. Um, you know, so then it was like these precautionary things like, Hey, don't move his arm. You know, if you put clothes on, put it over that arm first. So you're not mm-hmm. pulling those nerves or like aggravating anything anymore. So for months afterward, um, it was the same way. It was like, I didn't nurse him in like a certain football hold so that I wasn't like, you mm-hmm. know, like with Hamilton, I would like, you know, pull one of his arms and put it underneath me. So he like kind of fit mm-hmm. against me and I couldn't do anything of that with Ty. Cause I was terrified that I was going to, you know, make his injury worse. Um, and, uh, so like looking back at his birth was, um, it was really, really traumatic. Um, mm-hmm. and I saw probably a year worth of like actual therapy afterward, just to kind of process some of that. Um, I just felt like a lot of it was my fault. Um, and I'm not going to say that I'd be lying if I said that, um, but um, I think me just like wanting to push so hard for this natural birth, like the doctor was just trying to, um, you know, like abide by like my wishes. Um, so I would be lying if I said that I didn't still blame myself for some of that. Um, but I've also like sought a lot of like self-forgiveness for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, aside from, you know, therapy for that, um, I also saw a lot of like physical therapy. And I think you and I have actually talked about this a lot before that I think that it is, um, I think that it should be mandatory for all women that are like giving birth or have given birth to see a pelvic floor physical therapist, Mm -hmm. um, like a hundred percent, um, any woman that like goes through that, whether you deliver via C-section or vaginal, vaginally, um, you know, your pelvic floor just sustains so much like trauma and stress just from carrying a baby that long that, um, you know, all these things that like people have, you know, deemed normal, like, oh, it's okay. It's normal if you pee when you sneeze or when you jump or do these things, like, but it's not normal. Um, you know, so like my story aside, like, you know, I think everybody should see a pelvic floor physical therapist, but Yeah, I ended up seeing, I ended up seeing a a pelvic floor physical therapist for, um, a little over a year until we ended up like PCSing and like moving the army just away from North Carolina. But so I saw a therapist there for a really long time. Um, and I, I wouldn't have been able to truly, I wouldn't have been able to return to any sort of activity. Um, I would have, I would never have even dreamed of having another baby, um, quite honestly, I don't think Peyton and I probably ever would have been intimate for another 60 years. Like if I hadn't seen her, um, she was like an absolute saving grace grace and her name, her name was Brooke, but, um, so I'll, I'll definitely never forget her. Cause she's the one that like made me feel like a functioning human of being again mm-hmm. after Ty's delivery. Well, when he, um, when they, so yeah, that's like his story. Yeah. When they had to manually take him out, did they do it a episiotomy or did, how did they or did they just, yeah, they, yeah. And as some people say, like, I can't believe they didn't, you know, didn't ask, like, I mean, they didn't, I would have conceded anyway, like with, yeah. but, um, yeah, I ended up, they did, they did an episiotomy. Um, so I ended up having like a, a grade three, like mm-hmm. cut or tear, whatever you want to call it. And then, um, I ended up having like a two additional like tears as well. I think probably just from the yeah. amount of things that were there trying to come out at the same time. But yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, I, with my like 
physical therapy afterward. Um, you know, just, they have so many different things like at their disposal, like my episiotomy scar was really, really painful for months afterward. Um, and she ended up doing a lot of like manual therapy, literally just to that scar to like, mm-hmm. it so that I could like poop normally and, you know, whatever, like, like have sex again at some point. And, yeah. um, so she did dry needling, which was horribly painful, but still very like um, effective. I thought, uh, and then she also did a lot of like ultrasound therapy to that piece of me. So um, there are a lot of things that I, I had no idea that they like could do to like help alleviate some of that pain with scar tissue. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I mean, I think that's an area that so many people don't want they don't even think that it's an option to get that treated, but it's a scar like any other, you know, it's a scar, like a C-section, a C-section scar just happens to be a little more socially acceptable spot to work on, but definitely needs addressed or you're yeah. like, it's, it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it, it like, I don't know. It's one of those things like after you've had a baby, like, I don't know, like you kind of lose all your modesty anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely not front fun. I mean, the first time that I went in, you know, of course it wasn't just like, okay, change into this gown and like, let's work or whatever, you know, like she like talked to me for like a long, you know, like a good length of time and like to like get to know kind of like what happened and and Mm -hmm. whatnot, like what my current concerns and issues and stuff like that were. But yeah, it's not like, it's just like going in to get your pap. Like nobody wants to do that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not fun by any means. Um, But like hindsight now, like I'm like, man like every gown that I had to put on was a hundred percent like you know it was worth it like just yeah like I wouldn't literally wouldn't be a functioning human being without so just a little follow-up on I so he he had you know no movement of the arm but now he's fully functioning and how was that process um yeah uh so ty moved his arm for the first time um the day before my first mother's day which was like the coolest mother's day gift ever um that would have been he was uh just shy no he was three months old uh, literally like a couple days shy of three months old when he moved on for the first time um and uh so since like he's he he hasn't been in like actual physical therapy really since COVID hit last year, just because of the state of the world. But um, Mm -hmm. so for the first like two, two and a half years of his life, he was in physical therapy one to two days a week. Um, Whether that was us going to the clinic or the therapist actually coming to the house, um, which we we've had a couple different therapists that we've seen regularly that would come see him. Um, Mm -hmm. He's seen, so there are, um, you know, this is one of those things where you you really feel like you're alone in it. I was like, I've never met somebody that had, you know, a brachial plexus injury or a kid with a brachial plexus injury. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't even know how we got linked. I don't even remember how we got linked up with her. Honestly, it might've actually been through my physical therapist, but Mm -hmm. uh, there was a woman that was also in the, in in the army uh, at the same duty station as us and her daughter, um, was a year or two years older than Ty. And she had a brachial plexus injury from foot birth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I reached out to her 
and she came over one night um, and brought her daughter just so we could kind of, you know, see. So like each injury is different. It just depends on what level and how many of the cervical nerves are injured. Mm -hmm. um, but so we, we ended up getting to meet her and we'll, I'll call her W, which was um, what her mom called her anyway. But so W was like the sweetest little girl, but so she had a little bit more extensive of an injury than tied it. Um, but just being able to talk to, um, to M, her mother, um, and just get some more information about like what the process was, like, how did you get referred out? Like, you can't see a regular orthopedic doctor for this type of injury. Um, that's not being like, you know, chauvinistic or anything, like literally like it's such a niche injury that you like have mm -hmm. to see a very specialized doctor to get like appropriate care for it. Um, mm -hmm. so she actually gave us the information for the doctors they saw it. And, uh, so for a year afterward, every six weeks, um, the army like paid to help take us up to Philadelphia from North Carolina. Uh, and we went to Shriners hospital in Philadelphia, um, every like six to eight weeks, um, mm -hmm. for months, uh, for Titus to have Titus either, um, brachial plexus specialist up there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was amazing. He's ended up, he's had, um, two surgeries at this point. He had a surgery at, um, a year and two months old, and then another surgery at a year and eight months old. Um, and, and then he also had a, a couple different procedures, but, um, he had a, a Botox procedure. And then, uh, after that, they literally put him into, I should send you pictures just to put him, you can put him in with the, um, with the podcast, but, um, he was literally in like a, a cast that literally like went the whole way around his body and put his arm out like into this position. So imagine like a one-year-old trying to figure out how to sleep with their body in a cast the whole way around this. Yeah. Um, it was, it was horrible. It was absolutely terrible. Um, so he was in a cast after his Botox procedure for that. And then that was just to loosen up the muscles so that he could you know get into like a, a flexible position, which worked really well, but didn't do ultimately what they needed him to do. So that's mm -hmm. why he ended up having two surgeries afterwards. So today he like, most people, if you look at him, you have no idea that like he has ever had an injury aside from the the handful of scars that are around his shoulder. Um, he's probably at 85% use of his arm. Um, he'll never be at a hundred percent, you know, but um, all of that to say, a little guy with you know, something cool, but uh, some goggles on anyway. Um, uh, well, what's yeah, so he, um, yeah. so like probably 85%. <laughs> Uh, well, considering his considering his parents' genetics, I'm guessing that 85 percent for him is going to be other people's 100 <laughs> percent. Kayla and her husband are extraordinarily athletic people. Yeah, well, I will say that, like, I fully anticipate. Ty. He tells me all the time, "Hey, where are you going to practice baseball at?" College. At college, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, so he loves baseball and uh, I'm not even joking already. Um, he switch hits, he's um, a switch hitter and he can crush a ball. Um, <laughs> so like loves baseball. Uh, so uh -huh. honestly, like, I don't think that anything is going to like stop him as far as that goes. Right, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's like his mommy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, thanks. Um, so yeah, that ended up like, um, I know one of the things we had talked about before this got started was just like how this kind of influence, um, you know, like our second delivery, um, with Hamilton. Um, and I'll try to keep that one fairly short, but, uh, 
I don't think I've cried like ever as much as I did like during like pregnant as I did with Hamilton. Um, <laughs> again, we didn't know if he was a boy or a girl, but um, it was like, I ended up seeing a new therapist in Rhode Island where we were stationed at um, mm-hmm. through his like whole delivery. But uh, the, my OBGYN is the one that actually gave me way more therapy than like a therapist ever could. Um, uh, my doula in Rhode Island gave me the name of this doctor and said, Hey, he's, um, he's just very like progressive. Like I, I know that he'll like talk you through options and give you a very like honest feedback on like what he thinks about like having a vaginal birth after what you guys went through a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, great. My first appointment with him, he literally spent two hours with me. Wow. Every single question I had, every, you know, concern, like, which is astronomical. I would never expect a doctor to spend that much time with me. And he did. Um, and the whole way through my pregnancy, he saw me every time. He, like, never let me see, you know, one of his associates or, you know, like, not that there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, a midway for a nurse practitioner or PA or anything. Um, but he saw me every single time so he could keep tabs on, like, our, um, our, on our pregnancy. Uh, and towards the end, and I cried every time I went in. I just like I couldn't help it. Like, I didn't want to cry, and then I would. And mm-hmm. it was like uh, Peyton was actually the one that like suggested this. Which if you ever have fears going into your birth, um, I, I I genuinely like, I recommend this to anybody. Um, Peyton was the one that was like, I need to understand where you're coming from. Like I've been feeling all of this with Ty with you, and he's like, but like I don't understand. Like, like, what are the things that you're specifically fearing about this delivery? Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, can you write them down for me? And so like one day I did, I literally like sat there for two hours just with like a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. And I think I had like 25, literally like I, I, at the top, I wrote like a list of my birthing fears and like, you know, in no specific orders as they came to me. And like the first one was obviously that we would have um, another, like a birth injury or still warm baby. Like that was number one. Um, and you know, ranging from that to having an epidural that, you know, with my first birth, I didn't even mention this with, with Ty's birth, like my epidural, um, my, both of my feet, my shins and my feet were numb for three weeks, for three weeks after he was born. Um, so like I, I couldn't walk. I, I, I didn't even care. I couldn't carry Ty through the house for, th- you know, for three weeks because I was terrified that I, I couldn't feel my feet and that I would fall and I would drop them and hurt him more. And mm-hmm. um, so those things all played into my fears with Hamilton. Um, so I made this list and, and Peyton and I talked about him and he was like, I really think that you should like tell, like give this to Dr. Morton. My OB. And so one of our appointments and I was, I think 30 or 32 weeks, it was closer to the end. So it was probably 32 or 34 weeks. Um, I took this in and I gave him like a copy of it in, in the middle of the day. He literally sat down and line by line went through every single one of my birthing fears with me. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like if it was valid or not, um, what we could do to like um, displace that fear. Like if there was something that we could do to combat it and like alleviate it a little bit. Um, and so literally like he, he completely like constructed this, like helped me construct this like birth plan. You're like, if you want to go for a vaginal delivery with Hamilton again, then, then great. Like if you want to do a C-section, I fully support that. Um, and I think I was just so much more afraid for me, like of, of a C-section. Um, I don't know. There was just something about it that I like, cause you can still have a brachial plexus injury with a C-section. It's, right. so it's like 1%. So like, it's, it's still there just as much as a vaginal one. But, um, so anyway, um, 
So yeah, he like helped me construct this whole birth plan and, you know, we were going to induce it 39 weeks. And, um, if there was any lack of progression in my dilation, we would go right to C-section and, and he agreed. And we did an ultrasound before I was induced to make sure baby was head down and mm-hmm. facing in the right direction. And, uh, so it was a lot of motion, like going back and forth because Hamilton was pretty at one point, but, um, so uh, just find, finding a good OB that like supports you, supports your decisions and is willing to like, no matter like what time, no matter the time that it takes to like help you look through that. Um, like mm-hmm. I wrote a long letter to Dr. Martin, like after he was born because it, it ended up just being such a beautiful like story for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Redemption, honestly, like, and not just for me, like just emotionally, like being able to say, like, I just felt like my body had failed me so much with Ty's birth that mm-hmm. um, being able to bring Hamilton into this world, um, the way that we did. And it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was perfect. It really was. Um, mm-hmm. it just, I, I, I let myself love my own body a little bit more again, which I had let it go for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I, that is an awesome, amazing story. And you've got two wonderful little boys out of it. And I think an interesting part, I know, I knew you had done all of the intense pelvic floor work for a very long time to be able to, like you said, get back to doing anything, but I didn't realize how much um, therapy you did, which I think is seriously missing so much from not just birth trauma or anything like that. But even when people come into my office with um, chronic issues, I feel like it's a lot of times can be tied into stress level, mental health, that kind of thing. And it's not addressed enough at all and should be a normal thing. Not an, not the, it should be the norm, not the exception. No, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, You know, I actually like before taking this summer off to, you know, do the shift that we're on right now, but uh, you know, I've been, working um with like literally as a, like a colleague working with a functional medicine doctor in Rhode Island for the last eight months and um and I never know like I was interested in functional medicine but I didn't understand you know like how many things how everything tied together that much but you, did, you know referencing like you know stress and anxiety and tension all these things like contributing to chronic disease like literally like probably the biggest factor that tr- contributes to like chronic disease is, yeah. is stress, you know, and whether that's from a birth trauma or from, yeah, like chronic back pain to losing your job to, mm-hmm. you know, your mother being sick, you know, whatever it is, like all of those things are going to be contributing like significantly, like more than anybody understands to, like chronic medical issues um, yeah. that manifest themselves physically. It doesn't have to be like, I have depression or I have anxiety, like right. literally man itself like in a physical way with you know, back pain or whatever. Some of these like plantar fasciitis or mm-hmm. like SI joint pain, you know, like yeah. so all of these things just take its toll. And um, I think that more people need to be in, like, take the, I don't know, like initiative to see a, a mental health provider and not have such a stigma around it. Um, yeah. Not all mental health providers are created equal, uh, you know, that maybe, you know, testing the waters and trying like several different ones to see yeah. like fits you and your personality um, for mm-hmm. sure. But I think that it's like unmatched, like it, the dividends, like mm-hmm. they, 
exceptionally like more than you could ever give so awesome well thank you so much for sharing all that with us and um I'll be looking forward to see where you guys end up in your journey here. I've been following their family's trip throughout the country this summer, and it's been a pretty cool uh, thing you're doing out there. So I will. Thank you. No, we're having a lot of fun. It's been some really good family time. So Mm -hmm. we're really thankful for it. Yeah. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. Um, Talking about my boys and sharing their birth stories. And so I think it's important that, I think it's important just that women understand that like um, all births are different and Mm -hmm. um, some can be absolutely perfect. Uh, But um, if it's not, if it's less than what you would hope for, like that doesn't make you a a bad mom or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that that doesn't mean anything negative on you. Like trauma has many different forms Mm -hmm. um, and, and that could be something as, you know, simple, quote unquote, simple as like, you didn't want an epidural and you ended up getting one that can be traumatic for some women. And I just, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know if I guess if I had to say one thing to like women's that you can come in all different forms and, and your birth, if it's traumatic to you, then, it, then it's traumatic. Um, and, and you should like see somebody for that to help you process through it for sure. For sure. Sounds good. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.